The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. Now your host, Nick Nanavati. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Art of War podcast. This week we are joined by one of our very own Art of War coaches and one of my good friends, Rizvin Martinez from Mexico, now Canada, also known as Archon Scari. Riz, how you doing? I'm doing great, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Hello, everyone. Looking forward to the chat and sit back, relax, and hopefully you learn some stuff. For those of you who might not know Archon Scari, the name says it all. He is a Dark Eldar aficionado. He knows all things Drukari. He is a master of pain. He's also a pretty amazing 40K player representing Canada um, with their... On WTC team. He's one of our Art of War coaches, and he's just all around a great dude. And he's coming right off the back of a five-round GT win with, you guessed it, Drukari, an army that, you know, by the numbers is doing pretty awfully right now, and there's definitely some more powerful things out there to be explored. So clearly it is a matter of amazing generalship along with faction mastery that is behind the wheel here. And we're going to get to know Riz. We're going to get to know his mastery over Drakari and how that's evolved over the years and how he keeps on playing and performing as additions change, as metas evolve and what that looks like. And then ultimately we're going to wrap up this episode with what the list he actually took to victory was at this five round GT brought to you by TGX. And then we're going to talk about basically how it works on the macro scale, the broad picture. Then right now, head over to part two. Part two is for our Patreons. We love you all so very dearly. And you can become a Patreon if you're not already on AOW40K.com. For five bucks a month, you get access to this part two along with all 212 other episodes and our amazing Discord server. And in that episode, we're going to talk about exactly how this army plays on the table. Like, where do you put the units? What do you look for? What do you take advantage of? What to avoid? Tactics, matchups, deployments, all of it. So you don't want to miss any of that. Skari, are you ready? I'm very ready, and I hope everybody's ready as well, as you said. Let's step through the webway and into real space. Let's go. All right, we're going to go on an adventure into real space, everybody. Scarry, let me start off with asking you this. How are you finding Jukari in 10th edition? Obviously, you're finding them pretty good, but be honest here. Uh, the honest answer is they're very bland. That's how I'm finding Dark Elder. I'm so um, sorry to hear that. <laughs> what, sorry? I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, like, they're, look. They do a job, and they do it okay. But there's not a lot of wiggle room in terms of the creative outlook of the faction. Um, like, and that's you can that could be said from a lot of faction with the index. Of course, we've seen this before when in eighth edition they changed, uh, you know, all the the books and sent them to indexes. The same back in third edition when all the indexes came back back all the way like twenty years ago or whatever. And uh, so that's how I'm finding them. Can they be effective? Yes. Are they the most balanced faction? No. Do they seem very mon- monotone? Yes. Um, however, can you win with them? Well, yes. Yes, you can. It's just not for the faint of heart. Well, I think that's what we're here to unpack. So I'm sorry you're finding them bland, but let's talk about what their play style is and how it's changed over time. Um, and then kind of how it wraps into how you like to play the game, which if I recall, last time you were on the show, you mentioned was uh, create some chaos amongst the table and really win all over the table, whatever that means. You can put it into your own words, of course. Yeah, 100%. Well, the way that the faction works at the moment is very is a very similar way to how the faction worked in 3rd, 4th, 5th, and a bit of 6th edition, 
as well. Sixth and seventh was a bit of a whirlwind because if you weren't really using Eldar allies, like, you know, Dark Eldar and Eldar were like very meshed in together, being called battle brothers, which is something that they used to do back then. So you were doing stuff like attaching a baron into a seer council and things like that. You know, it was a very, they were like interchangeable almost as codexes. Um, but back in the day, the faction was very much shooting based with a couple of close combat pieces and support elements like mandrakes, things like that. And it was all about MSU fast moving guys in boats, essentially. And then in ninth edition, we had like the heyday of Dark Eldar. So anybody who knows anything about Dark Eldar probably knows it from ninth edition when like everyone hopped onto Dark Eldar. It was like, you just literally went turn one, move up, turn two, table your opponent's army. Like It was very, it was very aggressive and very efficient. And you had, you know, the double or triple succubus and Drazar just like picking up entire armies. You had liquid fire guns being silly and Talos just dominating the tables. And now in 10th, it's taken a step back and is going more to that original style which is more msu shooty lots of little units none of them are very effective like by themselves but they work well if you can like focus your strength on specific parts of the army of the enemy army sorry with a couple of elements here or there that the supporting elements like mandrakes or a beast pack or you know maybe a combat character so that's kind of like the style at the moment Awesome. So that's a great history lesson in Jukari. I would not have put that together. They're the same play styles, third, fourth, or fifth, and then, you know, all the different things. But so right now it's a shooty style army. And if I recall, you're not like against guns or anything, but you like to play uh, do it all kind of army, right? Yeah, my, my, like you can skew the list and you can do some skewed style builds for, I don't know, team events or to be very good at killing specific things. But there are a couple of rule changes just in general that changed a lot of the, the way that we use a lot of our weapons like poison changed big time to only affect like infantry turn into anti-infantry which means things that used to help us against like monsters and bikes and like other things that are now mounted or beasts you know they don't really work anymore um so there are certain matchups that get really hard um, and you can skew towards them with like more lances or less lances or more haywire, etc. However, the faction rule being very, very strong with the full rerolls, which is excellent, is sort of like juxtaposed to a detachment that is sort of pointless, where you get more of those little pain tokens if you take characters, but the faction itself actually works best if you take the least amount of characters possible because you want more points in more little crap everywhere so it's like the and then the the stratagems are very specific to like units so you're not really using the detachment almost at all there's like a couple of strats that you use and like maybe a character or two you know and and so it feels like i cannot wait for a codex Let's put it I, I so understand that. It's very similar to how my demons feel. I feel like I take a whole detachment to deep strike three inches away. Correct. It's like the one thing you're doing, right? Here I'm like, yes, I can I can move off, you know, at the end of the shooting phase, like an elf, you know, because that's an elf thing. You know, that's like the only thing I'm really using. And I'm using mainly like grenade and tank shock from like the main rule book, you know? 
So let me ask you this. In, in times like this, when you're dealing with an index, the index is kind of subpar, if not in power, which I think we can both agree that it kind of is, but also in, in overall flavor. It's bland, right? This is the first Dark Elder episode we've done since 10th edition's launch. You know, that's how much it's making waves. And you're, you're a 40K expert. Like, why not dabble in other things or stuff? Or how do you keep yourself going in these times? Because I'm sure a lot of people are playing Drakari or maybe you're not in love with their index and, you know, they have to figure it out. What do they do with their hobby? Yes, 100%. Like, there was a lot of people who invested heavily in the faction. They loved the way the faction played and they were either diehard, like, Incubi Drazar fans or they were diehard, like, crazy Succubus Witch Helion fans or they were crazy, like, they were... They loved all the Talos Coven stuff, right? Or, you know, whatever it was. Um, and then it really flipped it on its head. So a lot of people who had this sort of picture of what Dark Eldar was, it sort of like changed the play style so drastically that a lot of people were sort of alienated from that. Now, something that keeps me going is, number one, I own every model, right, from the Dark Eldar range, which is one of the biggest barriers to enjoying Dark Eldar right now. You cannot buy a Beast Pack. You cannot buy Mandrakes. You cannot buy, like, a lot of these, the Court of the Archon, for example. They're all fine cast models that are out of production. And unless you buy them secondhand or convert them or print them or do something along those lines, you're not really going to be able to, like, test a lot of the stuff that's in the the index, even in the index itself. Like, you buy a starter set that's Dark Eldar, you're going to get Incubi, an Archon, a squad of Cavalite Warriors, a Ravager, and a unit of Cavalite Warriors, right? And an Archon. And the Incubi are, like, pretty bad right now. So, like, you you basically get Cavalites, which are great, an Archon, which is okay, and then you get a Ravager, which is okay, and, like, a Raider, which is okay. But ideally, you want, like, Venoms, and you want a Beast Pack, and you, you know, want Mandrakes. So you need, you know, in order to really get the juices out of the faction self right now. So it can be the banner of entry just is tough for newer players. And it can really put people off because they're like, I want to buy this stuff, but I can't. And so they're like, ah, whatever. I'll just play space brains or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So like, how do you actually get enjoyment out of it? So uh, I changed the list up based on that as much as I can. Like I have tested pretty much whatever you can think about testing with dark elder. I've done an, an army that was all witch cult. I've done it like all witch cult. I've done an army. I took it to a GT of just coven. No, no non coven stuff. I did an army which was four planes, uh, like two bombers and two razor and jet fighters and like ravagers and skirts, like all shooting just a bunch of planes and stuff. I've done my more balanced approach, which is like a little bit of everything, one of each character. So that's how I stay involved is i just test some weird wacky concepts because i own the models and i can put them on the table and see what it feels like and see if it changes the way the the faction plays or if i can like squeeze any juices out of it and uh and that's instead of just playing 15 scourge 15 mandrakes you know 30 cabalites some venoms and like an archon right which is what most people own and so they're just seeing they just play that over and over and over again, and it can feel very bland, what, three, four months in or whatever from the edition, six months in? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you've, I know you have, like, everything for Drakari. You're a Drakari aficionado, and it's been, like, what, five, six months, like you said, since we started 10th edition. So you've got to mix it up to enjoy it. 
So with all of that, is the list you took to this tournament, the secret sauce as it's titled, is this secret sauce, what in your opinion, like the strongest Jukari list that you can make, or is this just a variation? I think there are, I think I've come up with two or three lists that I would consider strong. Surprisingly enough, the double Void Raven, double Razorwing Jet Fighter list was incredibly strong. Like, surprised me even how strong it was. Just beta striking um, people with planes and shit. Just, it was just, it just tabled people, is what it did. It just came up and it was so many dice and just killed everything. It, like, every, it was just fantastic. So that was like one, but it was very skewed in terms of damage output. My other one was uh, the one I took to the Capital City Bloodbath, which is a more balanced approach list, which had like a solitaire in it, it had like the Ravagers and Scourge. It was like, had like, Worked on some allies, right, to kind of you know support the the lack of close combat, etc. So that's like a more balanced list, no Talos or whatever. Uh, and then this list, which I think is probably the strongest with the current meta that we're seeing evolve, which is a bunch of Gladius tanks and Redemptor dreadnoughts and Sagittor Votan, and uh, and I think this is definitely very good into the current meta. So I would say it is the secret sauce. Well, I'm, I'm here to unpack it with you, Scar. So, uh, top to bottom, what is the secret sauce? So we start... Now, I have, I will quote, adapted the list that I took to the event since the list. Since the event. I've changed. It was a very quick change. Um, but basically, it's just take a raider out, add a uh, Urien, and then switch a unit of uh, racks for a Reaver Jet Bike unit. Essentially giving me something to heal my Talos and give me another thing that is tough to kill, which is Urien Rakarth. But all in all, the list is a Beast Pack Master, three squads of Catalyte Warriors, two units of Racks, which are five strong, three Venoms and a Raider, one Kronos, three units of five Scourge with Dark Lances, three units of Mandrakes, and three units of two Talos with Haywire Blaster. Talos Gauntlet, and the Twin-Linked Liquefire Gun. And that is 2,000 points on the nose. I am pretty surprised, honestly, to not just see Three Ravagers being the starting point of this list. Uh, I'm sure you're going to school me on why that is the case. But um, in your words, Scory, what is this list trying to do? How does it play on the table? Uh, this list plays, I have a bunch of stuff on the table. I have a bunch of shooting, and it's more than you have. <laughs> and I, I, and I, love I leverage that, it, right? but like that's, it's that is literally how it plays. That's just that's just the concept. <laughs> yeah, I mean, lots of stuff everywhere is great, but it is literally made of paper, right? So, like, how are you? Correct. How are you living with it to do stuff? How are you holding primary? Is a great question. Um, so the talus really helped with the primary contesting. You know, that's one of the reasons I decided. Like, my normal list is very similar to this, but it took out the talus and added three ravagers and a plane, right? So that's sort of like the other version of the list, which is still a very strong list, but the Talos give you a little bit of muscle in the middle of the board, which help you with the primary game. And the way that you play primary with this list is by using the Cabalites to stick you the objectives while you sort of like sweep forward into the enemy lines and force them to deal with like the waves of little shit that's going to just take away their scoring potential. And even though it doesn't look like a lot, this list can pick up 20 Terminators in a turn. Excuse me, what? This army can kill 20 Terminators? This is Cabalite Warriors, Raiders, Venoms, and yeah. Talos. And this, I'm not, 
I'm not How talking out of my butt. It's it has teeth in shooting. And the key here though is it's this is not an individually strong piece style army. This is a the sum of its parts of the strength. So if you want to kill a unit or multiple units, you have to use movement to essentially converge the strength onto very specific parts of the battlefield that you need to just wipe out. Right. Like- but if you can Correct. So you basically move all over the table, but when you really need to hit hard, you have to sort of like get into where you need to go and get all of your elements to target one or two things, and the the firepower is enough to just eliminate those things from the board. Yeah, kind of like one unit scourge doesn't reliably kill anything, but three units should kill something, you know? Yeah, three units plus the Talos, plus the the Cabalites and Venoms, plus the Mandrakes, plus you know, plus the Beast Pack. Like you have to like focus what like your strength. You can't be split and fire with this list or trying to kill a tank with like one Dark Lance at a time. Like you have to really focus your strength on on elements of the army. So how do you play this game like tempo wise? I understand it's moving all over the place. Mandrakes can go up and down into reserves, which helps them a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, you you're a bunch of transports. You make objective sticky. You're all made of paper, and you're kind of big and not the easiest to hide, uh, especially with a lot of them. So, how do you maneuver around the board? What's like your average game look like? Uh, it is not a cut and paste style list. So you cannot play this list and go, okay, so I'm going to run these guys up turn one and these guys up turn two. That's not how this list plays. And if you try and do that, it's you're going to just get tabled. The key to the list is doing it in waves. So essentially putting yourself deploying in a way where your first turn movement gets you to a staging area, but not necessarily into the middle of the board. Like you're staging for lines of sight and angles on things. So moving into a position where the next turn you can get multiple angles down a laneway, for example. Um, just to, And it relies on you understanding where your opponent is going to move their units. So they, you know they're going to move that tank up in this general area, so you have to sort of get into position to get ready to jump out and kill it, is what it comes down to. Now, ideally, you're screening with the racks. You're putting them out front, because when they die, they give you pain tokens. You have to sort of put your Kronos in a centralized location to take advantage of the pain token mechanic to regenerate them and refund them. And what I'm trying to do early game is sort of like keep the Talos alive, but be patient. So keep the Talos alive behind like line of sight blocking buildings or things like that. And then when I can, I jump them out to make sure they try and kill something. So then they're pain token for the rest of the game, which then helps with my pain token economy. And if I can get all three units of Talos as like a, as like, I use them as one big unit of six, essentially. Right, so they're kind of all helping each other out on like a flank or the middle of the board to really get rid of like the wraith guard or get rid of like the terminator brick that went into the middle or trying to get all the haywire on the tank to get rid of that land raider or whatever it is. Um, while the scourge, the mandrakes, and the little units of cabalites stick to the objectives and essentially screen the entire backboard so that like nothing is allowed to go behind me or in between me. It's all in front of me, so I can focus the Talos and the strength of my list where I can manage it. Right. And that's that's really great, just generally speaking, like keeping your opponent on one side, screening everything behind you, keeps them in front of you. Like you said, you can focus which areas of the board you're poking on, and you yeah. can move block really effectively. I imagine that is a tactic you use all the time. Yeah. How do you do move blocks with this army? So uh, the key of the Venoms filled with Cabalite Warriors for move blocks 
you know, because they you can get a unit of cavalites out, they move, th- you know, they're out three, they move eight, they can advance, and then you can strike and fade them to move another eight. So you can really move like 20 inches up the board and try and just get in the way of things that you need to stop from essentially getting into your backfield and help so you can score your primary scoring for as long as possible. And that's really the key. I'm using those little units to essentially stop my opponent from being able to focus their strength on the Talos mainly, which are the strength of the list. So let's get a little more specific into the Talos, since you, you've seen it like the focal point. You use them like a unit of six. I think that's pretty interesting. Um, so that way they can support each other. And it's like, you can't just attack two. You have to attack two and then get hit back by four, you know? So how does that, what are you going after with that unit? When do you commit it? So a lot of the times I'll, um, you know, uh, I'll keep them at range as long as possible. And it's designed, because I have such a long-ranged army, like I've got Scourge, I've got the Venoms, I can put a lot of damage downrange. So what I'm trying to do is force my opponent to commit into the list and then counter, right? Like, I want my opponent to send the Incarn up into the middle of my army, because then I can kill it. It's, like, right in front of me, and it's easy for me to deal with. I want my opponent to send uh, that big unit of Hearthguard into the middle of my army, because once the Hearthguard is in my army, I can focus on it and deal with it. So, ideally what I'm doing is sort of like spending maybe one or two turns at range, using Scourge, jumping and shooting, to like just pick, just pick like little, like the the speedy parts of my opponents up. I'm trying to kill transports, I'm trying to kill um, things that have jetpacks or jump packs, because I want to be the fastest army on the board. I'm using most of my resources on screening the entire board, especially if they have a three-inch deep strike, where everybody gets out of the Venoms, the Venoms themselves, like I just use like this big maze of everything's within six inches of each other so that you just cannot come in within three. And uh, and then I wait. And once they commit, everybody hops into transports, the Talos are ready to go, and I just try and kill the main pieces that they're using to bully me off a of primary, while then sending a unit 20 inches forward to you know, capture enemy outposts and drop them to zero primary. And doing that once or twice a turn, if they score zero primary and I score 10, you know, it's very hard to come back from that in terms of points. Yeah, you're not looking to necessarily win the game by killing your opponent or contesting primary every single turn. But if you can hold base with a 10 and then give your opponent a kneecap primary turn once or twice, the game's pretty much wrapped up right there. And I imagine your secondaries just fall into place with this army. How, how does your secondaries work? Now, the list is great because it can do fixed or tactical, whichever way I need. If I feel I'm going to be using a lot of command points, I'll usually go for tactical just to give me the option for the extra command point. Um, and I've got lots of units. The Mandrakes especially, they're like a key part of the list that I try and keep alive as long as possible. You know, they secure, uh, they get me all of those investigate signals and deploy homers and behind enemy lines a lot of the times. Um, but I can go fixed. Sometimes... I don't want to have to maneuver around the board. I want to hide on the edge of the table and just score, like, send one unit into the middle, because if not, you know, I'm going to get charged by Berserkers or whatever. So I'll do, like, deploy Teleport Homer and maybe engage on fronts or something so that I can dictate the pace of my game. And I like that there are a lot of units that I can do either or, which, and I have lots of anti-tank and lots of anti-infantry, which allows me to do something like bring it down as effectively as it does, you know, just a maneuvering one. And a lot of that anti-tank you mentioned comes in the form of the haywire that your talents are packing. Do you find this leaves you a little weak to, like, not specifically vehicles, not specifically infantry armies? 
um, you know, monsters as an example. I love Haywire. The fact that, that now, if they were just on a Scourge unit, they probably wouldn't, you, you would be right. But on uh, Talos, they're twin-linked. And with Devastating Wounds, the amount of times I've just rolled a couple of sixes and done six damage to a vehicle, I mean a monster, right? With they don't get a save or anything like that. It can, you know, it, it is a lot more than you expect. I didn't realize. What, what's the profile of these Haywire things? So they're 24 inches, two shots each. I think they're strength 3 AP1. They're 3 damage. They're anti-vehicle 4 plus devastating wounds. So you're fishing for 6 is pretty much... And they're twin-linked. Um, yeah, and you're reroll on wounds, so it's not even that hard. Um, and across 6 of them, you know, it's 12 shots. It's not that bad. Yeah, even against something like Terminators, or uh, uh, I don't know, like I, I recently played into um, Chaos Space Marines, and they were fantastic into the Chosen, right? They'd shoot into a Chosen. Every 6 I rolled was just a dead Chosen. You know, it was just, that it was just, fast. Yeah. It, it does. And if you've got all, you know, 12 shots of Talos shooting at a unit with a pain token, I'm rerolling hits, I'm rerolling wounds. Like I'm going to roll a couple of sixes. And then that, that big unit that possessed or that, um, chosen unit with the Lord all of a sudden doesn't look so hot. You know what I mean? Um, and then if you're going to a lot of infantry or whatever, or like other stuff, you've got the liquefier guns, which are also twin links. So I'm getting a lot of reroll wounds in that in those units uh, at range, which then increases their efficiency. So therefore, you're you know, it doesn't look like a lot, but it's efficient shooting. If that if that makes sense. No, it really does. It's it's very efficient in lots of small places, which, like you said, converge into actual damage. It's really easy to disrespect your army's damage. I'm looking at this, and prior to this explanation, I'm like, you can't kill anything. Like, what are you doing out here? But now I can see each raider's got a dark lance. Each warrior squad's got a dark lance. The scourges are 12 dark lances. The, tal- the talus are no slouches. Is there any other damage I'm not seeing here? Um. So, yeah, you've got the blaster, the dark lances, the splinter cannons are probably the secret the uh, secret sauce in a lot of cases because the venoms this is the themselves secret sauce in the secret sauce <clears throat> in the secret sauce they're more like a, a a unit that probably like a venom with double cannon and a squad inside with a cannon has nine heavy bolters shots basically that is not bad right That's right <laughs> they're sustained and with a pain token you have more reroll hit rolls so all of a sudden, you like I've gone up and go. Oh, here's like a unit of infiltrators, and you shoot with one venom with five cabalites inside, and you do something like twelve wounds or whatever, and they just either pick up an entire unit of infiltrators or you know whatever it is. And sometimes you shoot into like a vehicle, and you're fishing for sixes, but every failed save is two damage, and then all of a sudden you do a couple of wounds to like a tank or a monster that they weren't expecting, right? So remind me the stats of a splinter cannon. There's 36 inches, they're three shots each, uh, anti-infantry three plus, strength three AP one, two damage, sustained hits. Yeah, I mean, into infantry, that will add up really fast. Like, no mm-hmm. one wants to shot by that. That is really fascinating. Yeah, so, so, I've, all, you, so go ahead. Yeah, so the three Venoms are basically little gunboats, right? And then in this list, I have two units of Cabalites with Dark Lances and Blasters go into the Raider to make, essentially, a makeshift Ravager. It's got three Dark Lances and two Blasters out of that tank as well. So you have one Raider that gets all of the anti-tank weapons, and then each Venom becomes like a triple heavy bolter, a lot of splinter rifle shot thing. Flying yes. Around. And I have one Venom that also has a Dark Lance and a Blaster in it, based on the split. And then five Cabalites, uh, basically just have rifles and they go into strategic reserve because they pop in on a corner or come out or whatever and force you to like 
zone them out so they don't stop you from scoring primary. Nice. And your racks are kind of frontline people? Yes, because when they die, they give me a pain token. And in this list, I only have three pain tokens for being a strike force. So I want them to get killed as quickly as possible, or they kill something to get me extra pain tokens, just to kind of keep the pain token flowing through the second and third turn, which is when it's usually the tightest. Talk to me about these pain tokens. Obviously, you expend them for reroll hits on whatever you want to reroll hits. But in, in the way your army plays tempo-wise, do you find you have like an infinite amount of everybody reroll hits? If not, how do you prioritize it? So priority is the Scourge, number one, because they hit on fours. You, you really need the pain tokens on the Scourge. Um, now, early on, though, I tried to also give them to the Talos when I can make sure that they're going to kill something. So killing something will get me a pain token for the Talos, and then the Talos are empowered with a pain token for the entire game as soon as they kill something, which could be a ranger in combat, which is awesome. Um, so, and then, and then there might be one or two turns where I'm working off of like one or two pain tokens, and so it's very, very tight. Um, and that's where the Kronos comes in. You know, you try to put it on something, you roll the dice, it gives you another one, you can kind of empower multiple units with a pain token, which is like one of the handiest ways to use a Kronos. And then eventually, turn three, turn four, like you try, you just get some kills. Like you, and I would say don't be shy with your pain token expenditure. Like spend your pain tokens. And then when you get kills, you'll have pain tokens in the charge phase and the fight phase, but don't be afraid to use them. You always have that kind of mindset, I've noticed, when you play with you. Like, spend your command points, use the CP reroll, use the pain tokens. Is that a Drukari thing, or is that like a personal Skari thing? Uh, I think it's both. I think it works well with the Drukari, but, you know, when it comes to, like, I don't, I'm not really the kind of player that holds on to my command points until I have, like, six or seven for, like, a go turn. I'm like, I, I want to make sure I'm using my resources when I have them to just make sure that I have them and that I use them effectively. Um, so I guess it's more of a personality trait. Nice. I just, so it's interesting because you say like use your pain tokens like as soon as there's value to get with them, as opposed to like save for like a convergence turn on turn two or three. Uh, how does that look like? Like when you're actually playing games, are you are you killing stuff pretty reasonably on the first couple turns, um, and then going for a turn three kill, or is it all just throughout the game? It's throughout the entire game. You know, of course, but you could play into like you know the. Grey Knight, you know, I recently played into like the Grey Knight Terminator spam build, which is why I can tell you that I can kill 20 Terminators in a turn. But With confidence. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, when I say stuff, it comes from like, I experienced this. Not, It's not a lot of wish, like guest listing. It's like, this is something I have done. <laughs> um, no, but uh, so in that style of game, like the paint tokens were less they weren't flowing as much. Why? Because they were big units. I you know, had to kill like a little unit here every once in a while to get a pain token. So I was really relying on like just rolling the dice straight up, if that makes sense. Um, and then trying to force like a Battleshock test here or there to you know try and get some extra pain tokens. But normally it's it's there's like an ebb and flow. You start with three in this list. You know, I might get, I might spend two or three, like turn one or turn two, and get like one back maybe. And then, so I have like one turn of doing one. But as soon as the Talos really get involved, then I get a bunch of pain tokens because they'll kill tanks, so they'll kill infantry or things like that. And then turn four or five, I usually can just pain token everything. Yeah. So it kind of escalates as the game goes on. Correct.
Now, when I looked at your army on the offset, I assumed this was a points factory, move block, stall out, play people, and use that ticket to victory, minimal damage to kill like what you have to. And the more we've kind of discussed this, I'm kind of feeling that this is actually a damage army that is also very good at points, or you know, it can do both. Do you usually find yourself getting tabled by the end of the game? Or are you doing the tabling? How's that? Look? I have with this list, I've found myself doing the tabling more often than getting tabled. Really. It looks so unassuming. <laughs> exactly. Right. I'm so excited. It does until you play against it. And then, you know, and then people go, How do you just have so much stuff? And they, like, I played against, look, one of the the armies that I would say, like, I played into the new Votan army. So six Agitors, all this stuff, right? And that's a great example because they also had a ton of stuff, right? So at the end of the game, I didn't table him, but he had like a couple of Sagittors left, 10 little dudes left. And, like, that was it, you know? And I still had three units of Scourge, three units of Mandrakes. Like, I still had so much more on the board. And it's just, this list really kills stuff. It's crazy how much damage it is. But you just can't go into the open and expect to live. Like, that's not how this list works. You have to, you have to play around the terrain a lot. Yeah, no, I, I actually am... Have two more questions for you, but I'm so excited to get to part two because that's going to be like literally where you teach me how to play this army because it looks so fun. I can't believe you're killing people with this. Um, there's Beastmasters, and I know you're a big fan of weird units and Beastmasters, but what the hell are these guys doing here for? The beat, okay, back in sixth edition or seventh edition, a Dark Elder army started with a 15 or 20 point Lamian as the only HQ. And what you did with her is you sat her in the back corner. And reserved your entire army. And that was that was that was how you played Dark Eldar back then. So this is essentially kind of like a throwback into don't spend a lot of points on characters. The Archon is, is okay, gets a like can vect a stratagem, sure. You know, does a little bit of damage, sure. Um a homunculus is probably the best character that we have, has precision, makes racks better, you know, so he can be quite useful. Um, any of the succubuses and Drazar, like they're lackluster right now. I'm hoping that there is a detachment that makes them cool. So what I decided to do is I need to spend my HQ points on something that's going to be useful for me. A beast pack master is a 105 point unit that is 20 toughness four wounds. That is not bad. It that's has really good, it's it's cultist level point for point wound for wound, and it has a nine inch scout move with a 12 inch move. My new question is, why don't you have three of these? There are lists that have three of them. Um, <laughs> um, you can actually make more. Now, you know, I just need the one unit. The one unit, if I go first, scouts nine up, moves 12, and doesn't let you leave your deployment zone. Yeah, that's the kind of move blocking I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> right? So yeah. so that, that I'll tell you, the Beast Pack Monster wins me more games than I can count. Because I can throw up a flank, and you know how you're saying that I'm having, like, you have a hard time um, scoring primary? Well, the Beast Pack Monster solves that issue because I can move the Beast Master up, move the Venoms into place. By the time you dealt with the Beast Pack Monster, I've stickied the objectives I need to sticky, and I can leave the objectives and go and do other stuff. Wow. My last question, Skari, is is maybe like a, just a sum of the fact where you started, you played every every unit in this codex so many times, but how did you come up with this strategy? Like I'm I've played a lot of 40k. I've played 20 years of Warhammer. And 
I've come up with weird approaches to winning games, but this is off the wall and awesome. Like, how did you come up with this? Um, I, I looked at it and it's basically just almost 30 years of practice, Nick. (laughs) It's got me beat. (laughs) Straight up. Um, a couple of mantras that I live by. Number one, everything in your army is going to die. Just get used to this. If you finish the game with units that are left alive, um, you didn't use them as effectively as you could have. Number one. Number two is I needed to have enough speed and maneuverability around the board and something that could bully the middle of the table. And and then what I did is I you, I made the sacrifice of like, I need to just be more efficient with my points. So I made the sacrifice to like not take an Archon, even though I really enjoy my Archon, and he's like, Scary the Archon, or whatever. Like I was trying to build a competitive list, so I had to sort of like take a step back and go, the Archon doesn't really do anything for me. I'm going to maximize every single point that I have in, in my army. And that's how I've came up with this list. Now, as for gaming with it, I've played like 30 games with this list. Like, I've played a lot of Warhammer with this list, or variations of something very similar to this. So I've had a lot of practice with it, even before I went to the tournament. Just like trial and error, just trying to test stuff out. Yeah, I mean, I'm blown away, man. This is really, really impressive stuff here. And the fact that I can now see it, right? Like, I really, I know you as a player. I played against you, and I respect it. And I, I really assume this would be a lot of tactical advice in uh, exercise in how to tactically outplay people but this is not what that is this is a murder machine with objective scoring layers upon layers of depth to its strategy i am so excited scar you have no idea and especially the you already described it the way you play each game is not cookie cutter you can't just do x y and z on repeat which makes part two that much more valuable when we talk about individual matchups how you went five and zero with this where you put the models what was the tempo of, of move blocking and resource expenditure what happens when you go second with that beast bag we're going to answer all those questions in part two everybody scary thank you so much for coming on yeah thanks for having me thanks for listening everybody i hope you uh, have been inspired you know, and uh, might put the foot in the water. You know, the Anthony Vanellas of the world can, uh, you know, get their Talos on, baby. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. You, <laughs> I have a Jukari army sitting in a shelf, and, and I might bust it out right here. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. You can join us for part two of the discussion on AOW40K.com. You'll get access to this part two along with all the others and our Discord server. If not, we'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com. <laughs>